Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo Resilience Show. To Ben Like Bamboo is to master change with flexibility. And on the show, I get to interview and learn from very special guests all about resilience and how to master it in our minds, in our bodies and in our lives. And today I get to interview the wonderful Steve Carey. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Amanda. I'm so excited to interview you today. I've known you, oh gosh, how many years has it been now? It's a few, it's a few years. I reckon right, it well, might be not, four or not, five. Let's keep the guests, keep the audience wondering. Yes, let's <laughs> do that. But please let me introduce you properly because you have an outstanding background. It blows my mind what you've done. Um, Steve Carey is one of the of Australia's most experienced TV news and public affairs executives. During a career spanning 35 years, he's done everything from presenting ABC News to foreign correspondent covering the first Gulf War, chief of staff on the Sydney 2000 Olympics, supervising producer of Today, Tonight, and most recently, director of News for 7 Melbourne, a job he held for a decade. Steve has driven ratings success at both TT and Seven News, and he's also been instrumental in developing key outcomes for editorial coverage, crisis management, program development, and in particular, future strategy for digital and online media. During his tenure at ABC, Nine Network and Seven Network, Steve won or achieved every award for journalistic excellence. Now he's using those skills and a passion for media as a commentator, PR strategist, media trainer, and crisis manager. He's also a regular contributor and guest commentator on ABC Breakfast TV and ABC Radio drive programs you're a busy man i am a busy listening to that i should go to bed and rest (laughs) (laughs) i love it you should no but you're here with us and i'm so grateful that you're here with me talking about you know resilience and and you you've done a lot in your life and yeah i guess when you get to my age unless you're a complete flake you do get to do stuff and even if you have no ability (laughs) you still get to do stuff just by default so i've been lucky i've been very fortunate yeah you have had an outstanding career. How did you get into it? Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting story, actually. Uh, I loved, I come from Queensland. I grew up next to the Inogra Army Barracks. Right. Um, about five Ks out of uh, CBD of Brisbane. And uh, very interesting how I fell into journalism because it was literally that I always had a passion for writing in English. I love, just love reading. And as a kid, I would consume books. And I, I say to my kids, if you've got a good book with you, you're never alone. You can be yeah. at an airport waiting for a flight for five or six hours, but if you immerse yourself in a book, you're in your own world. The time flies. So I always had that. But on the flip side, I was very lucky growing up next to the army barracks. It was a very physical childhood. There wasn't the internet. There weren't mobile phones. There wasn't much TV. So by default, we were always out running around doing stuff. So I became very sporty. Yeah. So when I went, when I finished school, I had a choice. I could have gone into being a phys ed teacher, which I really was interested in, or I could do journalism. But I didn't quite have the amount of points, can you believe it, back in the day to do journalism. I failed by about five points, which is crazy. Anyway, I had a very tough but very successful old uncle, Uncle Cole, Big Cole, his name was. And he was a very astute businessman. And The weekend I had to choose, I actually was given a conceded pass to get into sports uh, teaching because of my sporting ability. I was a good swimmer and good football player. So I was confronted with this duality of, do I go be a a sports teacher or do I do journalism? I couldn't decide. 
And my uncle, Big Cole, sent me a pen and it had my name engraved on it and it had a little letter inside it and it, and it simply read, you can write forever. And what he, was, what he was telling me was, you know, you can be a sports uh, teacher, your knees are going to give out, your arms are going to give There's out. There's a ceiling eventually. to it, yeah. But, but with writing and journalism, you can do that to the day you drop. So anyway, that's, that's how I did it. And I, I took the course of journalism and, uh, and I never looked back. Well, I love that story. You've told that to me before. That, mm. oh, that's, I love that story. Yeah. It's so cool. And you just never yeah. look back. And it's look that at sliding door thing. Yeah. Yeah. One decision can change your whole life. And look what you've done with that decision. You've just. I've traveled the world. It's opened. Yeah. Journalism for me uh, has opened every single door to yep. every facet of life that you could possibly imagine. And I've, I've been a witness to history. I've reported on some of the biggest events in the world yeah. in a historic sense, but I've also reported on the minutia of just little people, the day-to-day -day people that keep you grounded, like the woman who I first won an award for. Her name was Rose Swanson. And she was an incredible woman who lived out past Gympie in Queensland and she fostered children. And then when I met her, she'd already fostered more than 60 children. Wow. And what she did to her, uh, and it lived in a ramshackle house, didn't have much money, but she had this huge love for kids. And to get by when, she, when it all proved too much, her resilience was she would do uh, needlework and she did the most incredible embroidery and needlework which she won awards for that. So wow. I'm lucky I've seen presidents and I've seen, you know, people at their best, people at their worst and all in between. So journalism gave me that gift yeah and and i love what you're doing now where you're using all of your experience and your gift um tell me how you started your wonderful business newsflash media which is well, what you're doing now <laughs> well that's that's another interesting story because <laughs> that was actually forced on me because i was the news director at seven for a decade and uh you never know when you need to leave and truth yeah. is i would have still been there building my head against the wall chasing ratings uh i would have been there till i dropped yeah. And the people at Seven were smarter than I was. Uh, and they approached me and said, we think you're done. And I thought about it and I thought I could fight on. I can try and save that job. I can try and stay in that role. And the truth is I was tired. I'd seen yeah, a lot and 10 years at that level is a lot. So when I left Seven, and it was amicable, when I left Seven, a very, very good friend of mine, a wonderful friend of mine, Lara Carey, um, uh, and no relation, by the way. We just happened to share the service. Yeah. She was, she was doing media training and PR. She had her own company and she'd been at me for a few years and said, Scary, do you want to do this? Because my nickname is Steve Kerry Scary. So yeah. she said, Scary, do you want to do this? And I thought about it and I took time off. And in the end, it was just a nice fit. You know, it was a, it was a good thing to do. So that was about eight, nine years ago. We've been running the business, Newsflash Media, We've just started another company called Narrative. Um, and it's been wonderful because I get to use those skills in a media training sense that most people and executives don't understand. Mm. So you can have, it's interesting, you can have people running multi-million and billion dollar companies who are very, very good at business. Yes. But they're not so good at communicating and talking yeah. to a mass media. And that's, I guess that's where we bridge the gap. And PR yeah. I do now too, which I'm, I've only been doing PR since COVID. So I'm still very much finding my way, but it's, it's an interesting one. How has COVID been for you? 
COVID hasn't affected me too much, except I've been lucky. I'm, I'm naturally resilient uh, because I've spent certain amounts of my life in either not isolation, but mental isolation. I've had a couple of broken marriages um, and I hesitate to say broken. You don't get into marriage to get divorced, but I've had a couple of those things happen. So I've spent time where I've been intensely with someone and then intensely by myself. Yes. So COVID for me, because I come under the banner of journalism, I was able to get out and still do stuff and see people and communicate with people. I think it was far, far harder on my wife. Anyhow. Yeah. It's been much harder on her because she's been pretty much enclosed in the house. Yes. Um, and it's been very hard on my kids. Yeah. My, my daughter's finishing her year 12. Yep. And that's, that's been a hard thing. So oh, that's unfair, isn't it? Hard. Year 12 yeah, is so important. Hard. Yeah. So for me, though, COVID, COVID was an opportunity also to reach out to friends and do little things like there's this wonderful woman, Nerida McPherson, who's turned her hand to making amazing pavlovas. So we bought a couple of pavlovas and had them delivered to friends just for the sake of saying, hey, we're thinking of you. That's nice. So during COVID and lockdown, I guess you find something in yourself where you can say, what, what is important to me? Who are the people that are really important to me? What are the things that I value? So COVID for me was a time to reset the clock, uh, yep. re-identify and re-engage with those people and those things that are important to me. Good on you. I love that. I, I actually totally agree. I think across the board, this is what a lot of us have had the opportunity to do and uh, there'll be much joy to be had as is the polarity of earth and <laughs> that, you know, after some deep, dark despair, the joy comes. It's you know, the rule you know, of the universe. I think it's too, it's, it's the simple things. Yes. I think we became, I think up to COVID, I was very much a creature of, uh, dare I say, excess mm. and indulgence mm. and if I want to go somewhere, I'll go somewhere. Lockdown for my family and I, I think, has made me realise that the simple joy of your toes in the water with the sand beneath your feet and the sunshine on your face and the sea air inhaling in your lungs, like these are the simple pleasures that I don't think anyone will take for granted anymore. No, being outside, absolutely. So tell me, Steve, what does resilience mean to you? That's really simple for me. It's resilience is the ability to keep taking blows and keep taking, I dare, I don't, I don't want to romanticize and say punishment. It's the ability to get back on your feet when you think you can't. It's yeah. the ability to say there's still some reserve within you that you didn't know you had, but you're not broken by it. So yeah. you can get back up and you can keep going and you can look at the each day, like each day, um, I'm a great believer in make the most of every single day. Now, yeah. whether that means you have a nana nap at two in the afternoon, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. enjoy that nana nap and it's an hour well spent having a snooze, all power to you. Yeah. And I do sometimes. But yeah. if it's a thing like getting up early, watching the sunrise, uh, yeah. going for a walk, that resilience to me is also being there for your family and having the ability to still give counsel and support and succor to those that need it. Yeah, being present, hey, that's important Yeah, for the family. I mean, that's what else is there really. That's everything. Exactly. Everything. But it is to me. It's, mm. uh, resilience is different things to different people. It really. is, I've noticed. Mm. 
But to me, it's it's very much about the ability to get up, mm. rise to the day and put in and do the best and be the best you can be. Yeah, particularly in those moments where you just feel like you can't go on. That's when you discover new aspects of yourself oh, yeah. that you never knew were there. And that's the gift. And that's how we grow, like a muscle growing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, Steve, I'd love it if you'd share something that you might have been through that you had to overcome in your life that that's when you maybe a time where you noticed that within yourself where you had to grow like that. Um, it's hard to know when resilience starts, but I can pinpoint it exactly for me. It's, it's as a boy, as a nine-year-old boy, um, sitting on a couch with my sisters and my mother screaming my father's name and learning in that moment that I had lost my father. Big. And that, that, was, that was a very, very big, powerful change in my life. Massive. where I went from being a nine-year-old boy and the next day uh, I was without a father and the days and weeks after that I became a man, which wow. sounds ridiculous, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. But no, it doesn't. as a nine-year-old back in those days, I pretty much became the man, of the, the young little man of the house. And resilience for me was getting up each day, going to school, helping my sisters, helping my mum, uh, trying to be the best I could be, uh, getting a weekend uh, job uh, at my uncle's toy factory just for a few bucks yeah. so that we could, so that there was less pressure. So I learned resilience. And wow. after that, throughout my entire life, as I've indicated, I've had a couple of marriages. I've had one career change that was foisted on me, not sought uh, I've seen things, particularly in theatres of war like Rwanda, where you're seeing people who are absolutely destitute, yeah. and they're being and they are dying, literally dying in front of your eyes, and you have to find the way wow. to make sure that it doesn't crush you, and and that that comes from within you, yeah, and it also comes from knowing that um, there is life beyond. And that for me was always, I've always been, luckily, I've always been a glass half full, not yeah. glass half empty person. I, th I think that's intrinsic uh, because, you know, some of the things you see in life, you could be driving along the freeway and see an accident, a, a terrible accident. You could be, you know, any number of things, situations day to day that are terrible that have an impact on you. So right. it's how you rise to those challenges and understand that there are good times ahead. And then going through that, how do you think that helped you become the amazing journalist that you are? Um, I've always been lucky. I've had a, an inquiring mind. I've always been a people person. You know, I, I gravitate towards people. I you like do. people. And, yeah. I, and I love learning about people. So I think the, the, how it helped me was it taught me that there are many things that can happen and it gave me a small snapshot of life and a painful experience at an early stage in life where I was able to realise that the world can be a big, scary place. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still just the world and people are people. Yes. So the more, you've, the more you talk to people, the more you try to relate to people, the better you understand that we're all just one person. At the end of the day, we might have our differences. We might have people that we don't like. But at the end of the day you know, we're, we're just people and we're all built the same. We are. We are. We're connected. We yeah. are connected. Yeah. 
tell me, that would have been so hard at such a young age of age nine, losing your dad and the instant um, understanding of that. And as you said, the days and weeks ahead where you literally went from be- becoming, you know, turning into a man from being yeah. a little boy and taking that, care that of That day I lost my childhood. I, lo- yeah. I lost my, my childhood ended that day, even though um, you don't want to sound too melodramatic with these things, but um, when you say you lost your childhood, I was still a child and I still had a, an enormous amount of fun. I mean, yeah. I had mates and we'd ride our push bikes through the army barracks and we'd get into trouble and we'd go surfing. And yeah. it was a great, you know, I lost my dad, but I still had an absolutely wonderful childhood, which sounds quite um, disparate, but you can still have, what I learned was you can still have incredible loss and pain and agony and heartbreak, but it doesn't have to break you. And, and, and if you're lucky, it won't break you. And you yes. can still achieve and you can still go forward. And I also put that down to uh, an incredibly strong mum who was just, you know, amazing and is still, you know, amazing and inspiring to me today. That's beautiful. Mm. So that, then that would have helped enormously. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a story about resilience with mum. I lost a father. She lost a husband. Mm. He had to look after three little kids. I was nine. My younger sisters were seven and five. Mum had never really worked. Um, mum didn't know back in those days the accounts, any of that stuff. It had to be learned and acquired. Yeah. Here's my mum all these years later. She's still going and her leg's playing up a bit. So instead of her sitting on the couch, she said to me the other day, so what did I do, Stephen? I got up. Imagine this in Queensland, the old hill's hoist. She got a piece of rope, tied it to the end of the hill's hoist, and she's starting to walk round and round and round because she knows that she needs to keep moving at her age, yeah. otherwise you lose it. Yeah. That to me is all you need to know about my upbringing is that that woman gave me the strength of character yeah. to make sure that I was able to be the confident, outgoing and inquisitive adult that I became. What an exceptional woman. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Talk me through the lowest point when you lost your dad and things got really hard. What was the hardest bit there? Oh, the hardest bit was not blaming myself. That, that's the truth. The hardest bit was not blaming myself because my dad died in a car accident uh, and I was the last person to see him whole and hearty. He dropped me to school because I was running late. And then on the way after dropping me to school, he was a builder and on the way to his uh, job site, it was raining and three kids walked out on the road in front of him and he had a choice, which was really no choice. He could hit a, a light pole uh, or he could hit the kids. Well, he hit the light pole, clearly. The light pole came down on the cabin, crushed him. He was taken to hospital. We thought he was okay, but unbeknown, back then again, unbeknown to the family and the doctors, he'd uh, had a rib, had uh, punctured his lung and he bled internally to death. Okay. So... Um, The lowest point, and I only realised that years later, the lowest point for me was having the ability not to blame myself. You know, the old, if, and as a child, you go, if only I'd hugged him a minute longer, if only I'd been on time for school, if only I'd ridden my push bike, if only, if only, if only, if only. And you would have carried that for years. I carried that for years. And I, and I was, um, I was a very, very, very angry young boy for a while. I was a very angry, um, hot-tempered young boy. Because anger stems from sadness and there would have been a lot of unresolved grief there. So if that was your lowest point, how did you turn that around? 
How did you come out of that? Uh, well, it's like I've it's like I've done throughout my entire life, and I've done it through two other marriages, through a career change, through any of my uh, ebbs and flows. I look within myself and I say, "You can do it." Love that. And, and, I'm, and I'm very mentally. I'm lucky that I'm quite mentally strong. Um, so I just I look myself in the in the eye internally, and I just go, "You can do it." And I get on and I do it. And, um, you know, I'm one of these people, if I say I'm going to do something, I absolutely give it my best to get that done. Now, sometimes circumstances prevent you, but so long as you give it your best. And for example, at the moment, you asked about COVID. I'll give you a, an example of how I turned that around. Um, yeah. I blew out to, I got the COVID creep and I went from being 82 kilos to uh, Three and a half weeks ago, I was 101 kilos. And I decided at the 101 tipping point, I was drinking too much. I was eating too much. I was snacking. I wasn't exercising. Yep. Uh, and I just thought, what does it matter? And then yep. I thought, hang on. It does matter. It matters because you're not like that. You've got children that rely on you. You've got a wife who loves you. Yeah. You've got, and you're better than that. So I went on what I do, which is a, a very, <laughs> a very restrictive and very, very good diet by a woman called Donna Aston. Yeah. She's fantastic. She is, she is amazing. And I mean, she has given me the courage, the strength, the support, the resilience. And in three and a half weeks, I've dropped nine kilos. So I hopped on the scales. I was a hundred well scales today. I was 92 and yeah. I'm not going to stop now till I get back. Yeah. 82 and and i will do that because i want to do it i can do it yes you and can I'm, and and i need to do it so that's how i turned that around when i was a kid i was blessed that i had good people around me and i had a teacher that took an interest in me so the way i turned that around was apart from saying i can do it i turned and sport became my passion uh, and I ended up being quite a good footballer and a really good swimmer. And I was outdoors and, and I took my love of the outdoors because my father was a lifesaver at Mermaid Beach in Queensland. So I took that love of the outdoors and sport and I turned it into something good or better. Sounds like everything you've been through, all the change and adversity, it, it has made your life better. And that's what I was going to ask you next is, you know, how is your life better having been gone through all, all that you have? Because it's, again, it's, I hate to sound trite and like a, um, a birthday card or a Christmas card or one of those, you know. Hallmark cards, yeah. Hallmark cards. <laughs> but, but the way it's made my life better, yeah, it's made me appreciate life. Yes. And, and, and unfortunately, I think the sad truth is you're at your most creative, you're at your most dynamic sometimes when you are going through terrible trauma or pain or sadness or loss and that gives you the kick to go forward and then when you are in a place where you're forward yeah like I am now with I've got my wife and my kids and you know life's good we've moved into a new place that we'd saved up for and awesome and we did that the first week of lockdown and we moved in during lockdown so but but what it gives you is hardship gives you a great appreciation of life and what it has to offer and why you should make the most of every single day Absolutely. now whether that's sitting on a couch reading a book whether that's calling your friends whether that's you know getting on and being whatever you, whatever your bag is 
it can make a hardship does have a way of making life better because it makes you appreciate what you have. Totally, totally agree. I remember when I got home the first week after living in hospital for two months, when I had to learn how to walk again, I was in the same house, same social circles, um, same everything, but everything looked different. It was the same house, same friends, but it just, it's like I was seeing with a new set of eyes and I couldn't have a bad day because I was just so grateful just for the little things and the simplicity of life again. And that stayed with me forever. So I feel you. I totally relate. That's so beautiful, Steve. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good feeling. And I think what I've gathered with age, I mean, it's that old thing too. You, You can't experience life unless you live. Yes, Unless you, unless you have the opportunity to live a life, it's very hard to experience it. We're well, so, going to die a few times, don't you? Well, metaphorically speaking, you do. Mm. Now, whether that's whether that's you have your heart broken, mm. whether that's you lose someone, whether you experience incredible uh, mental or physical anguish, or the uh, ending of a business, or getting punched in the face, or you know whatever. all that. All that. You got to die. Um, you got to die a few times, and you got to have, have a few rebirths to really live. Yeah, and 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 I do worry. I really do worry about my kids and about the whole resilience thing because I think COVID is teaching them a tough lesson, yep. a very tough lesson. Um, yeah. And how they come out of that is going to be really interesting because this cohort of Year Twelves, it's been a very tough year. Very, very tough. They have lost all the things that we take for granted. Year That's 12 true. formals, graduations, 18th yeah. birthday parties, catching up with friends, you know, yeah. uh, schoolies, all those things that we had in our childhood and took for granted, they're mm. being denied. Mm. So this will be an interesting mm. uh, benchmark for the future. Uh, I agree. I totally agree. So if there was one thing that you've learned in your incredible life, if there was just one thing, particularly, I guess, what you've spoken about, your adversity with your father dying, what's one thing that you've you learned through that adversity? There's always another day. Mm. There's, mm. The sun will come up whether you, uh, whether you get up out of bed or not. Yep. The sun is still going to come up. Uh, the wind's going to blow. The sun will be shining. And night will follow day. And what I've learned is you need to get up. You need to get up and stand up and face up and just do your best. That's, yeah. that's, all, that's all I ever ask. You know, I work on what's fair and reasonable, as you know. Fair and reasonable, get up and give it your best. That- well, I think how we feel about ourselves is more important than what other people think of us. And if you get up and do your best, then you're going to feel good about yourself. Well, that's, that's an interesting sidebar. I guess what I'd say is, you know, you asked me that question. So that's my primary answer would be get up, face the day, do your best. But on, the, on a side level, it would also be it's really important that you can't be all things to all people. And during each day, take time for yourself. Be, yeah. kind, be kind to yourself. No matter where you are or what you're doing or what you're experiencing, try to be kind to yourself. Because if you're kind to yourself, you'll be kind to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any tips for anyone listening that might be going through a really hard time, is finding it difficult to put one foot in front of the other at the moment um, that might help them according Uh, uh, to you? Only what I would do, which is make sure you give yourself permission to grieve and permission to be unhappy. You don't have to be bouncing out the door every single day just to put on a facade for everyone. Be what you need to be. 
The other thing, the other, the second point I would make would be, please maintain health. Mm. Don't slide down. It's all well and good to be indulgent and have the occasional blowout and, yeah. you know, have a few drinks, but by and large, yep. try and stay healthy. Yeah. And the third thing is, if you need help, don't be afraid to reach out and let people be aware that you need help and be a bit vulnerable. Parti- so and, that is, true. and that is particularly for men. Absolutely. That is particularly for Australian men. I mean, my daughter said to me up until recently, she said, I never, I've never seen you cry, Dad. And then, you know, lately, I've been like a waterworks machine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it's like, oh, there goes a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. But I love it. That's good, though. So. I, I think you need to have permission to be vulnerable and, and yes. let people know you need help. So they're my three yeah. tips. I love it because people can't read our minds. We need to communicate. We need to let people That's know right. how we're feeling and be surprised what comes back when you just Absolutely. Look, if you, if, you, if you bounce out every single day, suited up, shaved, all happy, yay, how's everything going? And people say, oh, I'm fine, thanks, don't worry. They will think that you're fine. That's right. They will. They'll just go, oh, well, he's okay or she's okay, no worries. And then they find that you're lying in bed in a malaise or something worse and you go, why didn't that person reach out? Mm. So have the ability and the courage mm. to reach out. I think what we want, we, we need to dish it out 10 times for it to come back. And the more we connect with others, the more they're going to connect with us as well. Yeah. It gives them permission to feel like they can be vulnerable too. And really you're helping that person by being vulnerable in their presence. Absolutely. People, yeah. people I've found in life uh, as a journalist, meeting people at the very worst times of their life, like after the Hoddle Street massacre and uh, the first Gulf War and other places where people were in refugee camps and had nothing. It, it's incredible that the, the emotional connection when you ask someone, how are you? Is there anything I can do to help? What can I do? What can I do to help? Just simply that. And then sometimes don't even ask if you can see that they're in need. I remember being in uh, one of the biggest refugee camps in the world in about 1992 or three, I think it was. I was in Tanzania as the refugee crisis was unfolding. And there were all these kids, they had distended bellies. They were literally sucking used corn husks. People were dropping a dysentery. What could I possibly do? Well, what I did was, which I stuck with me, what I did was I had a notepad and I had some paper and I made a few paper planes. And I just threw these paper planes as these kids were sitting and all of a sudden these forlorn kids sparked up and the community around them sparked up and there was laughter again. And I tore up my entire notepad and just, I must have made about a hundred. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. That's like the most beautiful story ever. And these poor kids were queuing up at the um, uh, medicine uh, frontier, the French um, medical corps, and they were frightened because they also had to have needles. So what the paper planes did was it just lifted the mood. Now, I couldn't give them food. I didn't have enough food for everybody or anyone. But what I could do was just for that brief moment of time, give them some joy. Joy. We underestimate the power of joy. It was a moment of joy I had with my mates eating dinner, just, just you know, had the simplicity of the moment and then my toe moved for the first time that night. Amazing. And it taught Amazing. me the power of joy and what you just described then, making paper aeroplanes yeah. and flying them around when everybody was going through hell. Yeah. Sparked That's, all, that's always, always stuck with me. That was one. Yeah. That's, that's a memory that's always stuck. 
Well, what I've learned about joy is it also sparks repair and, um, you know, whether it's in the mind or body. So that's so beautiful. That would have been one of the most traumatic events I imagined you witnessed in your career. What's one of the most um, moving and beautiful moments you've ever seen in your career? Oh. There'd be so many, I know. That is such (laughs) such a hard, hard, hard question. One of the most beautiful and moving I really, there are so many, I mean, I I guess it would be doing the Royal Children's Hospital. It's a cliche again, but going into Royal Children's Hospital and seeing some of those children who've overcome such anguish and hardship and being reunited with their parents for the Royal Children's Good Friday. Those those are the sort of images that, that stick they really, they really stay. And I, I remember going to the Royal Women's Hospital and the first time ever seeing a very, very, very premature baby whose, yeah. whose, whose finger was, you know, like, like, like the size of that, you know, this tiny, tiny little thing. Like, yeah. And how is that possible? How is that possible? Wow. You know, those, those are the sort of things that stick. And then there's other memories of... You know, going through Soweto in South, in uh, South Africa. Yeah. You know, in Johannesburg, a terrible, terrible place at yeah. that time. I mean, it was it was mayhem. Yeah. And uh, seeing just some of the kids playing uh, hoop ball with an old tire and a stick. Yeah. You know, and seeing the joy that they had, just you know, just as they're running around the road. You know, so there are a lot of memories. There are a lot oh, of incredible. lot of powerful memories. You must write a book, Steve. You have to write a book. <laughs> Well, I've threatened to do that many, I've <laughs> that many times. But I, I think in my career, I've written my 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 resilience challenge to myself is that I've written so many words, and I continue to write so many words that by the time the end of the day comes around, I'm I'm tired. Yeah. Right. And uh, and and I think there are some people that take a lot of joy out of um, enhancing the truth. And, and I think if I was going to write a book, it would have to be more about the, the good things that happen, not the, not yeah. the bad things. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. later. Maybe it's just not time yet. Maybe later you'll, <laughs> you, we, you've already had pockets of writing that you'll just pull together. Um, but you've just got such an interesting life and I'm so blessed to know you and, you know, I just adore you and I just think you are such an exceptional man. Um, and You're very kind and you've been a... I've been very blessed along the journey. I think one of the reasons I've come through with the, the as intact as I have, have is that I, along the journey, I've met wonderful people like yourself. Thank you. Who've, uh, who've, who've offered different things. Because remember, I used to run the entire news division for Melbourne at seven. Yes. Journalists are very sceptical beings. And yes. they, are, they are very, very difficult to turn. And the fact that I came to you for help uh, with yeah. your dark arts that still surprises me. And the fact that it worked, <laughs> that's another story entirely. <laughs> oh, thank you, Steve. Yeah, I'll never forget um, the first time that we met and then I realised your background and, you know, I was just like, just go with it, Amanda, just just be you and do you and just explain how it works. And I'm so pleased that it did, it did work and you work hard at it. You were a pleasure to work with. You work hard and that makes a difference too. Um, and- You're only as good as your teacher. Oh, thank you. Well, do give my love to Inika as well. And 
Thank you for coming on the show. And everybody, if you want to check out Steve's amazing business, you can go to newsflashmedia.com.au. All of Steve's links will be in the show notes. And please do leave a review or um, subscribe on the blog and um, the podcast. And remember, no matter what you are going through, you can overcome it and discover what you were made of. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Pleasure.